Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird kick a young deer off the road and went by away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of throwing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. out at www.squatchcoffee.com and uh, check out our Facebook page. Um, Kip Morrill was down in Bluff Creek with Jamie and I, I don't know if he was out with Stephen Stroyford as well, but uh, they made a series of uh, Sasquatch coffee commercials and uh, the first one, Jamie posted the first one just a little bit ago on our Facebook page. And, and if you know Kip, Kip's got a great sense of humor, so that's what you can expect. Um, with me today, as always, is my good friend, Corson. Shane, how are you? Doing good, doing uh, doing well. A little beat from the weekend, but uh, doing all right, enjoying the weather. So, what, what were you up to this weekend? Oh, uh, well, originally... <laughs> Yeah, originally I was supposed to head up to the OP uh, Lumen Project uh, due to my wife's um, schedule. Uh, I could not do that, so I spent my time out with you guys out in Tillamook, which was uh, well worth the well worth the trip. Yeah, it was a good good week, and the weather cooperated, and uh, we had a little bit of interesting activity um, where uh, I don't know what you call it when. We we had gone out. We had a couple of camps going this time, and uh, we had left. Uh, I I was camped out with uh, Retman and and Greg, and uh, we had all left the area for a while and came back in 
some sticks. We had you know, like a wood pile, and then there were, was a pile of like kindling size sticks in front of Greg's tent. That um, let's just say uh, he, he he said they were all laying you know parallel when when he left, and um, when I pulled up, Retman came in and said, you know you got to come see this and uh, weird weird thing. It, I mean they it went from something random to what the there was a shape to the some kind of pattern, and it was very strange. Retman and I'd never seen that kind of stuff before. But, um, Retman and Greg said they were familiar with that they've had that kind of stuff up um, in their research area in Washington, and I've heard about it. I've just never seen anything like it. And then the then the our other wood pile had been. That sticks had been turned, and um, it was weird. I mean, and, and then yeah. then what did we find down in the and Larry's campsite? <laughs> yeah, well, same. There was a, a pile of wood there, uh, and the the wood seemed like it had been rearranged. Uh, I guess you could say, uh, mm-hmm. not moved all over the place, but rearranged. Next to my tent was a. We were sleeping near some straw, and there was this pile of straw, kind of this built up in this this ball and uh the other thing of note was uh, i am you know 99.9 percent sure my tent and all that was zipped up and secured and i get back and my tent's unzipped i didn't have anything in there but a sleeping bag and uh my my uh, the end of my sleeping bag had been kind of flipped over and there was also mud and, and water on the seams um around my vestibule so i it was very strange uh, didn't not great ground for finding tracks per se, though there wasn't one impression that you know some of the guys found interesting. Um, but it just it was just odd scenario. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> and then um, yesterday morning, uh, I, I was sleeping in the, my tent. Greg was in a tent a little bit away from me, and then Redman was actually sleeping in his pickup. And it was uh, in the back of his pickup under his canopy, and uh, it was five five something in the morning, and I was had woke up and and I heard what sounded like a very distinct n- knock from the direction of of Rutman's pickup, and mm-hmm. just beyond where he was he was parked, what it is you know a, uh, a good stretch of forest there, and it's. East of where we usually usually are based, and it's always been an area of interest to me because we've had a lot of vocalizations and stuff that have had initiated out of the east. But so I, I and then um, I didn't hear anything else, just a single knock. And then when uh, you and Larry came up to our camp, you um, you had said. You had had a, a knock as well, a really good one, but but yeah. not from the not from the same when you when you indicated what way it had come from. It was definitely not the same one that I heard. So oh no, pretty completely opposite. Yeah, and completely opposite only, direction. Not only that, and then it was in the same, pretty close to the same time as what it, um, I didn't have my my. Uh, I didn't have any timepiece with me, so I don't know exactly. But I know that when I got I got up shortly thereafter and went for a walk. So 
pretty weird. Yeah, I mean that knock. So. It, it, you know, I'm sitting there in my can. That knock was solid and uh, yeah. a couple hundred yards away. So uh, I looked at my uh, watch. It was 5:40 in the morning. It was still dark, and uh, it was yeah. out. You know, it was out in the middle of the woods. I don't know. That was a good solid knock. Uh, got me really got my brain thinking. You know, did a lot of hiking that day. Didn't find anything, but it was uh, very interesting. Yeah, no, that interesting area always seems that the uh, it was a little disconcerting to me that find you know that your uh, tent was unzipped because with the association with the other stuff that you found down there it was pretty pretty uh, yeah trippy. <laughs> I don't know don't know what to say about it. You know, it's um, either a human in there or something else. I don't know. I'm yeah, I'm kind of dumbfounded by the tent thing, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm not sure how much you know we can get out of that. So. Yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, it's something we hadn't experienced there before, no. so, but, uh, I, I, uh, I lost my train of thought. See, that's what happens, sleep deprivation. Part of Bigfooting is sleep deprivation, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Kicking your own ass. That's right, so, but the, the glyph, the, the stick thing was pretty trippy. I, I always, you know, I, I know that, uh, my little tent doesn't provide a whole lot of protection, but there's a, something about, uh, at least I have, I am in control of the zipper and who comes in and out. That was like, oh, great. They, they, uh, if, if that was, if that was a, a Bigfoot that came in and unzipped Shane's tent, <laughs> my, my little, my little veil of, uh, security has been broken. So it was interesting. <laughs> Well, it's been a uh, we ha- our guest a couple few weeks ago was was William Allen Barnes, the founder of the the Olymp- or the Olympic project of the Falcon project, and uh, they're getting really close to uh, launching here. Being you know they're initially going to put people in insert people into a, a remote forest location for a six month period of time, and then. This week, there was uh, in the coalition group. Uh, there were a, a thread started, and and there was a lot of uh, questions being. He was shot in the Williams direction, so um, it was. And there were some good questions in there. There were some things that, you know, people questioning. Uh, you're doing the project, you know. That's I I I call it armchair bigfooting because. Uh, I could I could look at somebody's project and say, hey, why aren't you doing it this other way? You know, and that this is the it, the project is what it is. They they've uh, it's it's not like he just uh, made it up last night. It's a project that's been in the works for uh, six years. So um, I like I, I I'm I'm happy to have these guys come on uh, and uh, answer some of those questions, and um, it should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Excuse me for just a sec. Go ahead, Shane. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to talking both with Jason and um, William. Especially, uh, I know um, there there have been a lot of questions about the project. Um, at times, I believe it's gotten kind of heated. So, uh, be good to get um, William and Jason in here. And uh, Gunnar, do you want me to bring them in now, or do you want to you want to wait? Let's go ahead. Yeah. No, okay. No time like it. Present. So, that's what I'm saying. 
Hello, William. How are you doing this evening? Good. Doing great. Have a fun day. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I'm going to uh I'm gonna bring in Jason here and uh... Hello, Jason? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, excellent. Thank thank you, uh thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you guys. Good stuff. Um <clears throat> William, how there's been a lot of questions, you know, and I know you're well aware of that. <laughs> a lot of questions directed um uh, about the Falcon project and the means of getting it going, uh, some of the people involved with it. Um and I would say most of the questions have been directed at the the uh the blimp itself. Um how's that going for you? How how are you taking these questions? I'm having fun on coalition of sanity because that's a good word for it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to answer those guys because they <laughs> they already they've already decided the concept of no not work and they don't even know what the design is just by looking at the model. So how do you how do you convince somebody something will work when they already think it won't work because they think the design is flawed. That's not my problem. I know it'll work. I have trust in Mr. Barkley. He's a great engineer. So even Jason will even tell you he's spoken to him on a few occasions himself. And what? yeah, uh, well, I'd love to hear Jason's uh, Jason's thoughts on, on that aspect of it for sure. Uh, Jason, you have any comments? Yeah, I do have some comments about this. Um, I find it interesting and and. I just want to say, like, I guess I'll put into, like, a little bit of a story. Um, and after meeting with a couple of other guys this past week that are uh, part of Sasquatch Trekkers, um, you know, in explaining this project, when we first got this together, when we first put the prospectus together in 2010, nobody got it. And what I realized very quickly after drafting up this document is that we were going to have to spend some time from that point forward trying to build a conceptual framework for people's minds so that they could understand what this project was capable of doing and ultimately could be the one project that could be lifted up off the ground, literally, that would totally solve the mystery of whether or not these things exist. And so having said that... <clears throat> Like William said just a few moments ago, it's very difficult to have these discussions with people because they just don't understand. And granted, I know a lot of information, uh, especially from the manufacturer, we have been told, you know, it's proprietary and there's not a whole lot we can say. But the bottom line is, is if you get a drone that is, uh, especially this type, that is... Uh, situated, well, the, the equipment that we're going to be capturing the film with that is going to be suspended between um, envelopes full of helium. The cool thing about having a drone like that versus like a plane drone is that it's a stationary vehicle that can move and be stationary at the same time so it can hover. And a lot of people were objecting to, well, you're not going to be able to penetrate the canopy. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. And Mr. Barkley assured us, no, you, you're going to be able to do a lot with this drone, and probably this will be exactly what you guys need. So 
those kinds of concepts have been very difficult to communicate to people because, like William said, people's people's minds are made up and people have these discussions with other people who are ignorant and just don't know. And so you kind of get tired pretty quick of arguing with people when you know what, what you got is going to work. And so it, it, it's been a very, very challenging um, journey in trying to communicate the effectiveness of this project because it's, just, it's never been done before. No one has ever done this. Well, the thing, and, and you, oh, go ahead, Gunnar. Yeah, no. Part of the thing is the the uh, it's a concept. It's an experiment. So, um, I, whether or not it, worst case scenario, you commit a lot of time to something that doesn't do what you hope that it it does, and but but you're out there doing something nobody's ever done before, and and my comment to to some of those questions is. You know, if you have a better, if somebody thinks they have a better way of doing it, is to go invest the resources to start their own project and do it the way you want to do it. Because this is the way, this is this project. So, um, I, it's a little frustrating to the, the constant back and forth, and um, because people can choose to, you know, donate money, or they can choose not to do, donate money. It just exactly uh, uh, it's and it, and worst case scenario the there's no that the the six month invested initial investment of time doesn't yield um, conclusive proof of uh, of the quarry you know but that that is the amount of data that's going to be uh, collected is has value in itself. Absolutely. Even when yeah. you do, even when you test things and they don't work, the results are valuable. It tells you. I mean, Edison didn't bolt the, invent the the, uh, the light bulb the first time that he he made one. I mean, it was, it was like a thousand times. He was he was wrong a thousand times. So, good point. Some of the que- some of the questions that you know, who's manufacturing the the um, the drone, I think, have been answered. Um, and well, no, wait a minute. I gotta stop. I gotta stop you right there. Okay. Now, they're saying he's not even in business. There's only two people working up there. Well, I want to explain something to everybody. He resources out all the parts. He custom makes everything at his shop there to put it together. That's the reason it costs a lot of money because of the technology that's going into this. Camera alone and the, the gyro that. And camera mount goes to is seventy five thousand alone. That's not counting the digital download, live stream from the drone to the command post. That's not counting all the equipment in the command post. Everything involved is cheap, believe it or not. And you can ask Jason. I have been quoted from two hundred I mean four hundred and seventy five dollars to one point two five million. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we've been quoted over, way over a million, two million. I mean, it's so what what Barclay is able to provide us with is actually a steal, and in many ways, it's actually a superior design to what some of the conventional stuff that people were going to give us was one point five million dollars. So I've got rock bottom price. I spent years trying to figure this out, and technology wise too. 
So, you know, it has a lot to do with technology. It's not just flying an airship or a drone up in the air and trying to get video. There's a lot more to it than just sending something in the air to take pictures. I mean, this thing will tell you what animals we're looking at. It'll go into a database. We collect a larger database of all the animals on the ground. And then when we see something, the database will tell us what it is. We can just keep going and save us a lot of time. You know, there's a lot of technology on this airship that people don't realize is going into it. And they say you can get hectocopters. That came up. Let me answer that question there. Well, if you got 10, 12 hectocopters, yeah, you can relay them all night long, but hope you don't run out of batteries. Um, takes a lot of battery. 19 minutes usually is the home time on that. I mean, back home to where it came from. They're getting better. I seen the one the other day that did 28 minutes, I believe, which is good. I like that. It's getting better technology-wise. However, four to six, seven-hour flight time is better, a lot better. And also, they're saying, oh, they'll shoot it down, and, you know, if a bullet hits it, well, they just float to the ground. And on Coalition, they're showing me that they're on fire, they're crashing. Well, that's not really true. Call Airship Company. Instead of trying to figure it out for yourself and guessing at something, do some real research. Ask these companies. I do. They'll tell you the same thing. But no, so, uh, go ahead, Shane. Your turn. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just going to say. So, a lot of people argue the point that the the um, the uh, craft's two part design that it, it cannot work. Uh, um, there's, you know. The, Quoting some of the questions being asked. Um, also, uh, you know, they want to know about the single camera on there and how how you can fly something with a single camera and and those sort I'll of. I'll stop specific. here. I'll stop you right there. Yeah. I'll stop you right there. There's a guy flying and there's a guy watching and there's a guy using the camera. We know where the airship is at all times so by GPS. We're not going to be in the trees. We're not going to be in the mountains. We're going to be three, four thousand feet off the ground. And yeah. If they think we're going to crash into something because we're not seeing it, we have everything in front of us, computer-wise, looking at the surrounding area. So we already know where we're at. So you know, you can scratch that question off the list too. And you, you know, and it's it's just kind of crazy. People, you have to have two cameras. However, they've never seen that, or let's see, let me word it right before I get yelled at. They've never tried a concept like this before. And it's not just a computer and an airship we're looking at. We're looking at a lot of equipment, technology-wise, as we're flying it. We know where everything is at every second of the time, live time. So you can they can scratch that question off the list, too, because I, I get this asked all the time. You know, why not two cameras? Well, the more you add to an airship, the more weight you're going to carry. But we have enough technology on it to know exactly where it's at at all times. So what's the next question? Basically, uh, the part of the other part of that question was the the, and I know you've discussed this before, but the two part design of the, uh, you know, the craft itself. Um, you know, what are the what are the pros to that? Uh, are there any cons? Uh, or I mean, this obviously you've you've done your research and stuff, and you've come come down to the conclusion that this is the perfect design. Why why will that design work? The concept is perfect design for our project, not for somebody else's. 
and also somebody was, well, let me get get this out of the way, too. Somebody said, well, you know, it's going to list or whatever because uh, how, do you, how do you keep the helium equal on each side? Well, it's digital readout on each side. And we know exactly where the balance point is by the digital readout. And you don't lose helium out the door as soon as you put it in. I mean, that's totally ridiculous. Um, you think that we would put in something in the air, it's going to go sideways on us all night long? No. You know, I've looked at this design for years. And the, when they look at it, they don't think it's, um, they think it's centered all the weight is centered in the middle of both envelopes. It's not true. The weight is centered downward. So, you know, these guys that say, oh, the concept won't work, well, you know, keep thinking that. Let us do what we want to do, and if you have a better idea, cheaper idea, that will fly that long and hover, uh, just like one guy in coalition. So once you get a helicopter, that's $1,500 an hour. Uh... I can fly this for six liters of fuel and one bottle of helium a night. That don't equal to $1,500 a night. So, um, But that's only one hour for a helicopter. You know, when we used to get our equipment flown in for dredging, it was $1,200 15 years ago just for one trip. So, you know, it's cost-effective, believe me. It's, and also... It's a great piece of machinery. I'll keep saying it all day long. I have total faith in the design. I've seen it, and even Jason's seen the specs to it. And Jason, you can explain to him what you think about it. Yeah, I was just wanting to say that uh, one of the things about this design that impressed me was the stability. Because Mr. Barkley said that when you go up in elevation and the wind currents start to pick up, having the two envelopes that are joined with the uh, uh, being reinforced. What is that, the cross members? What is the number name for those cross members, Will? The uh, envelopes? Well, I mean, how they're connected with those cross members, with the way with the way Steve figured it out to give it the stability and, like, anti-torsion. Um, uh, the, the, way that, the way that Mr. Barkley explained it to me was is that it had way more stability when it goes up in elevation so that it, if you're in a mountain pass and you have wind currents, you're not going to oh, yeah. um, – the, the, oh, yeah, the airship yeah. actually has a better ability to maneuver in higher winds. And so with where, research, with, with where a lot of research areas are, like where I am up in the Pacific Northwest, it makes it uh, a much, much more desirable design for doing this kind of research. And and it's and, and the the entire model is analogous to like having a jet ski in the sky, and I, I just think that with all the designs we looked at, this looks like it's the best. And plus, it's stealth. You know, like with a helicopter, you're going to have all kinds of noise. Um, this thing is, is so much quieter, and I just don't see anything else out there with a better opportunity to sneak up on the creatures. I, I just for all the stuff that we've looked at, this just looks like it's the best candidate. Well, then, I mean, it, also the argument. I mean, I got, the argument about I, about going out. You know, there. Why don't you just go to Radio Shack and buy you know a hundred uh, cheap drones and throw them up in the air? Well, there's a lot of. I mean, that seemed like a, a kind of stupid question because now you have a high. You need a uh, hundred pilots flying. I mean, and and you're talking about a cheap 
thing that's going to, I mean, you're going to go through them. They're disposable, basically. Well, but they're too loud. Not, they, they, yeah. they sound like little so two-stroke engines. You've got to have it quiet. You know, we've got to sneak up on these creatures. You've got to have every single advantage that you could conceivably think of on the ground has been proven to be almost futile, you know, and, and, to, go, right. and to come above, like, to get on top of them. They're not going to be, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think they're really looking up in the sky for predators. I, I don't think in their evolutionary trajectory that they've ever had that concern ever develop in their brain. So it just makes sense to us that coming from the top down is going to be our best bet. And in order to do that, you've got to have a piece of equipment that can, you know, fulfill all of the prerequisites that, would, that you could think of in order to get close to a creature like this that has superior hearing, superior sight, superior smell, all that stuff. And with the way this ship is designed, this seems to provide us with the most amount of advantages that we've been able to find so far. And and as of yet, I mean, there's not like a, a prototype out there, right? It's all kind of still on the drawing board? No, he's already built or, a prototype. He, he's already built a prototype and, and proved that it works. Okay. I did. Was that now? Have you guys physically seen the prototype, or um, is we don't? I mean, I would, I would imagine the, we don't. We don't have yeah, to I would, see the prototype. I just I didn't know if that was something you know. I would think nope. for I mean, for what it's worth, for some of the the um, skeptics or the, the people that are concerned about this, that they could see a, a prototype fly and see how it reacts, it'd probably go a long ways. <laughs> Well, of course it goes a long ways, but now that a guy just wrote on there, wait till they hit 70 mile an hour winds. Well, that guy should think we're smart enough not to fly in high winds. If it's windy, we're not flying. If it's a good night for flying, we'll fly. We can't fly seven nights, seven nights a week. We can only fly nights that we can fly. Now, if those people think that we're going to fly every night of the week, they need to go get a day job or something. I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. But I know weather. I spent five years out there. I know how it works. I know the winds and the mountains. So, you know, the 70-mile-an-hour wind, what kind of question is that on on coalition? I mean, I just can't believe it. I mean, I have fun all day on there just pushing these guys. It's just unbelievable, the things that they want to know, the questions they want answered. It, it just blows me away. I mean, how are you going to – it's going to crash, number one. The tree line is going to get you, number two. Windy nights are going to get you. Well, we're not flying on windy nights. We're not that dumb. So, you know, and the technology on the camera lets us be four or 5,000 feet off the ground. We have telescopic lens, motorized. We can do anything we want with the camera. So we're not getting up close to these creatures. We're just looking for them. So, you know, we're not diving it, diving down close to them 100 feet from or anything like that. We're going from a long distance to film them. It's not like, uh, you know, we're hunting them down. I mean, going in towards them with the airship. That's the reason the camera is so important to have a high-def thermal imaging camera. So this way we can see what we're looking at from a long distance. We can see a possum on the ground if we want. You know, these, these guys think, you know, you're wasting your money. Well, technology costs money. It's not free. So this is a new concept. And it was made for Hollywood, and the the laws are changing to commercialize. And you'll see in the future that these airships will will be used for filming in Hollywood because they'll be allowed to go over 400 feet once they become commercialized. 
So, you know, this has been in the works for many years. I've seen it coming years ago. I've been calling the FAA for many years. I know the rules that are coming and how the rules work. So, you know, these guys don't need to go on to a website on FAA rules and show it to me because those rules don't even contain to what I'm doing. My project is different because we're in the research and development and I can file for a COA. I have to have a pilot with a license. That puts me over 400 feet, and it has light. It has a transponder. I can't be within five miles of the airport, and I have to get permits to be able to fly over the National Forest or BLM land. So, you know, all these questions they want to know, they can look them up, but they really dug deep instead of just throwing out things they find on the website. You know, the computer is not the whole world. You need to call people. I tell these people to call me all the time. I'm one of the few people on Facebook that will post my number all day long and never get a call. Why? Because they don't want to call me because I'll answer their questions. Well, the, the um, communicating via text message and, and uh, instant messaging or Facebook messaging is, is a long form of communication that lends itself to mis, mis uh, communication and misunderstandings. I mean, it's not the best way to communicate. Here, here, here's somebody, I mean, you're willing to talk to people on the phone. I saw you you uh, say that to Stephen on co- the coalition thing. That's that's a pretty uh, ballsy invitation. I mean, if you're, if they feel like do you it. don't have the information. I do it every day. I do it every day. So, right. And, and I still mean, get no calls. So, you know, so if, you, I mean, if they don't yeah. want it, if they can't pick up a phone, they can sit there and type on the computer all day, but they can't type on their phone. That's their problem, not mine. I'll I'll mess with them all day long. I mean, it's fun with me. I, I love that site now. I love those guys, especially Aaron. Aaron, you know, he's, <laughs> I don't know about him, but it's just fun. You know, if they want to ask questions seriously, they can call my number. They want to ask stupid questions on the internet and say the thing's going to crash and everything. They can call me. There's no, there's no other simpler way. You know, if I want information, I call. This is how I got this far: is by calling. I didn't get it all from the internet. I called people. I called the FAA for two and a half years. My phone bill is six hundred dollars a month. Sometimes Jason knows that. And I, I put my time into this and did my research. And if it doesn't fly, man, I made a big mistake, but I'm betting on it's flying. Steve's a great engineer. He knows what he's doing. And we had to redesign this airship at that for our qualifications, not his. So, you know, it's been redesigned to us for our project. It's, it's, he's not designing it his way. He's designing it our way. So we're, we think we know what we're doing. Jason, what is your what is your exact role with the Falcon Project, and how 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 did you originally come to be with the Falcon Project? Um, I well, back in two, I guess it was like December of two thousand nine. I was doing a radio show, and uh, William called me up because I or contacted me with an email. I can't quite remember how it was. But anyways, one up on the phone the next day, and uh, he. Uh, just basically that what do you think about trying to uh, start a project with an airship? And it just so happens that my roommate um, at the time 
was uh, he's a 3D modeler and he um, was designing airships to try to look for Bigfoot. So, you know, we were talking about it all the time. So when, when William extended that invitation to me, I was like, absolutely. And so we started working on a prospectus within a few months. And uh, so by the time, I think it was about the tail end of the summer of 2010, we had sent that prospectus out for the first, it was the first iteration. And uh, and it was amazing to me how, I mean, uh, even Meldrum didn't see the vision on a first pass. It took it took a couple of years for uh, for all of that data that we put together uh, that took us months to compile all the research. I mean, and William's not kidding. I have never met anybody who spends as much time on the phone calling people and not just to chit chat, not just to shoot the shit, but serious background research. What's the best? What's the best we can get? What what's the cheapest we can get for the quality? Um, William is a real go-getter. I mean, he used to do fundraising. He is, uh, he's like a bulldog. He doesn't give up. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that he has a lot of working knowledge about this project. And so my role kind of like more in the beginning was, uh, you know, putting the prospectus together. And then I've been, I've been more in a passive role, you know, as the co-founder, he just, he, he just, he's so on top of this stuff. And, you know, and I got a family to raise and, um, and I've been through a lot of trials and tribulations in the last couple of years. And so I've been in kind of a more passive role in the last couple of years. But we we talk about once or twice a week, and he keeps me posted on what's going on. But as the project, as we near the project, I'm going to be in, I'll be out in the field, and I'll be way more active in the more active roles. Gotcha. So, and, and so there, go ahead, Dr. Melt. Yeah, Dr. Meldrum is involved in this project, is that correct? Yeah, he's our lead investigator. Okay, so and he sits, there's a panel of, of um, basically an evidence panel, a review panel for evidence that, that's found in the field? Correct. Yeah, yes. From my understanding. So there, that there's a group of runners that are um, going to go in and bring supplies, bring evidence, bring evidence, trash, whatever. I mean, um, bring that stuff back out and that. So uh, there'll be an ongoing stream as, as if, and as evidence is collected, it will be being vetted at in a reasonable time frame. short, you know, when it's, I mean, if you're generating stuff week by week, you got people going in and out on a regular basis. Um, part of their, their responsibility is to bring out the evidence. Is that correct? Yes. So, and the person that, so William, you are the, the actual person that is, is heading the project. Is that, that's my understanding. Yeah, some, some people wish I wasn't. Yeah, but true. (laughs) Okay. And, and this is something that, you know, uh, You've been working on, um, and I'm. The, you've you've had to have thought about these questions that are being asked of you prior to uh, a thread popping up on Coalition this week. I mean, the, you know, the airworthiness of of the airship. I mean, and you're working with somebody who is an engineer, that the, the gentleman who developed the design and is going to manufacture the the airship. Has an engineering degree, I assume, 
set and and has and does this for a living. He's been doing it for twenty years. So he's I mean he's not a hobbyist. He's not a guy that makes small no. airplanes. No, he's <laughs> so way, he's way past he's <laughs> way past the hobbyist, but he does have the biggest R C toy in Canada. <laughs> so but he but but this is his job. Yes, that's all he does. Yeah, so it isn't like you went to you know, you drew something on a napkin, took it and it's not, you know, your your uh your sister's nope. kid. That, that, nope. uh, just like I said her just like I said earlier, this design was made for Hollywood in the beginning. However, FAA rules wouldn't allow it. Now drones are being commercialized in the future. The future is coming. So you'll be seeing these airships used for filming. I mean it's it's coming, you'll see. And uh you know, I don't care if people believe me or not. I've been seeing this coming for years. I've been the one contacting FAA, finding out the rules every week. You know, I know they are changing, and my rules are still the same. I'm over 55 pounds. You know, the rules are thrown out there for crafts 55 pounds or less. So, you know, these guys need to start doing their homework instead of throwing things out there saying you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, i got a story for you. I'm underneath a government institution. I'm under different rules than a citizen. This is the reason Dr. Meldrum... And the university came along because it made it possible possible for me to fly. Now, you have to understand that Meldrum had really no concept in the beginning because we sent a portfolio to Meldrum. And he just tossed it to the side. But when I sat down and talked to him and explained everything to him, he was like, wow, this is really cool. Now, I can't. Uh, speak for Meldrum, but he'll tell you the same thing. He thinks it's it's one of the coolest things there is out there. So, you know, you can go against him if you want. Uh, like he says, the guy knows what he's doing. He's an engineer. He's been doing it for 20 years plus. So, this is what we're going to get. This is what we want. And this is what it's made for, is our project. And we have fail-safes fail-safe systems on this. We have homing pigeon. It means that the wind catches it and we lose contact. It just comes home on its own, just like the helicopter does. All Almost all helicopters have them nowadays. We also have uh, tail fins, fans in the tail. We can go left or right on a dime. And even if one fan goes down, we can still turn it on a dime because we have another fan. We have two engines back-to-back. One engine goes out. It still flies. We have two generators, one with each engine. It'll still fly. So we have so many fail-safes on this. There's no way we're going to lose it. Maybe somebody shoots a hole in it, we have to go get it, patch it up, and put helium back in it and get it back in the air. That's the worst scenario I can see. Other than that, I don't see no problems with it. And one good thing about this, you don't have to have a large area to fly it from. You can fly it straight out of a tennis court and land it back in a tennis court. That's how precise it is. So, you know, people think, you know, you're going to need a large space to put it and fly it. No, not true. You don't need a runway with one of these things. You know, it's, it's, it gets kind of ridiculous, some of these questions they get. Not understanding, you know, the whole concept of what we're trying to do. And also it's hollable. 
we just have two trailers. We haul the envelopes on trailers. It comes up to part in 45 minutes to an hour, and we can put it back together 45 minutes to an hour. It's that simple. So, you know, what a better concept. You know, you want to buy a bunch of drones, go out there and buy it. I just heard the other day somebody's going to use drones. And, you know, go ahead, do it. Go ahead and fly those drones all night long. Go ahead and fly gliders, whatever you want, or airplanes. You can't hover with airplanes or gliders. Drones only last minutes, not hours. See, there's the difference. And that's the only reason I'm sticking to this is because I need to be up there four, five, six hours to get on top of one. You want to stay with it as long as possible. I want to see where it goes. If I see one four or five in the morning, I want to see where it goes during the day as much as possible. I want to, I want to know many things about this creature, but you're not going to do it with helicopters or gliders or airplanes. You have to keep circling. You know, come on, give me a break. Yeah, it, now, William, I would imagine that um, you oversee pretty much um, where where all the money um, is going. Uh, any donations that come in, you you pretty much pretty much take care of all that. Uh, am I correct? I do not. I do not take care of everything on the money. The university takes care of the money. And the reason I did this, I set it up this way, so. If anything happens, it doesn't fall on me. It falls on the university. I don't want to touch the money. I don't want nothing to do with the money. The university owns all the equipment. They're buying it, not me. It's my project. But I get to run it. It's all about education. It has nothing to do with being famous or be the first one to film Bigfoot again, like the Patterson film, like some people say it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. If anything's worth anything, is that if we do get footage of the creature for long term it make a great documentary and this way I can put that in the theaters and fund the university for 10-12 years to come what a better way to fund it instead of asking people for money you know these people think you know you're out for the money well I have to fund this project for years to come so if I do make money there's a lot of it going to the university, and I will take care of the people, the volunteers, compensate them for all the time they've done. I think that's fair enough. I'm trying to be fair with everybody. But in the long run, the university owns this project. And if we start filming these from the air and I'm, my job's done, they take over. I'm done. I go into anti-poaching now. So I want to send drones over to Africa anti-poaching. We test them, we flip them, and give them away over there. What a better way. What a better concept to do two different things at one time. And that's the reason the Skywatch program came about. It's because I started looking into anti-poaching. There's not very much being done. The money being spent over there is ridiculous without without very little um, technology. Some of those drones they're using, I'm going to be nice, 20000 Google gave $3 million for drones project. Well, there's not $3 million worth of drones there. And I don't know where this money's going. However, they're not calling me back, except for Ian, Ian Redmond did. And he's glad to be, be part of the Skywatch program. So I've got a guy that oversee the stuff that we see over there that we send over there, I'm sorry. So now, if nobody don't trust Ian Redmond, that's your problem. I trust Ian Redmond. So, 
I don't want to get all these things on Facebook. You know, we're trying to do a good thing, do our research. If the drone works really well like we think we do, flip it over to Africa, get another one. Use it for 60 days, test it, get it ready, flip it over again, do it over again. Get enough drones over there and put the fear of God in those posters out there. So if you guys think I'm doing something bad with people's money, no, I'm not. I'm trying to do something good and also do something good over here. Educate people about these creatures. So, you know, I get tired of getting hammered all the time, so I don't like to answer their questions. When um, One of the other questions that was uh, directed our way, <clears throat> pardon me, um, people want to know why uh, they have not heard, like, an announcement or press release from the university itself. It's coming. I got to sign some papers at the university next week. Looks like I'm getting more involved on this. So the lawyers are drawing papers up for me. And then there will be a press release. We already wrote the press release. Yeah. Um, when, with regards to, uh, some of the runners, uh, so how how long um, how long do you believe or do you estimate they're going to be in the field before this this uh, the airships in the air? Say that again. I'm sorry. Oh, I, uh, how, you're going to have these runners out there come May. How long will these guys and um, gals or whatever be out in the out in the field before the airship actually takes flight or is actually um, above them? We would love to have it towards the tail end of their six months trip. That would be my best wish right now. And we're working on it, believe me, I work on it every day. Every every possible uh benefactor that calls, you know, and I tell them what we're doing, it's up to them. I don't beg people for money. That's maybe my problem. I don't beg people. Tell people tell me to call Wally Erson. Well I'm not calling Wally. Everybody else has called him. Why why wear him out? Everybody calls him for if they need something. If he's interested, he can call me. That's the way I look at it. But however, in the meantime, I'm still raising funds for the airship. I'm going to get a ground crew out there and start collecting data. they got six months on, two months off, six on, six months on again. And this is going to keep going until the airship gets in the air. And wherever we got data, we go back to that area because we know the creatures are there already. So we're collecting information ahead of time. It's a recon team. So... That choice came up because it's the smartest thing to do. There's no sense of sending a drone out in the air, out in the middle of nowhere, looking for something with no physical evidence on the ground that these creatures are even there when we go there. So if we have physical evidence that they're there and we got people on the ground that are showing us this, we can collect information from the ground and also collect information from the air and share the information. And I can't even show the drone on any public anything because I'm underneath FAA rules, research and development under a government institution. I can't even show it on a video because it's considered as commercializing until the law changes. Oh, I was not aware of that. Where are you at in terms of the funding for the the airship. I mean, are you at 75%, 50%? Ah, man, we're not even close yet, but we're working on it. i got some big benefactors coming in, so 
Uh, I've been working on it for months, many months now, uh, since last, what was it, October. Everything's coming to a head finally. Okay, and the, so you say the university owns the, so does the, the money flow through the university? Is that what you're, that I would set up? So you, you go out, you're going out and soliciting um, supporters, financial supporters, and when they write a check, they're writing it to the university with it yeah, tagged earmarked, to the, it's to the, and it's earmarked and it's earmarked for the Falcon Project, and it is 100% so, so, donation. And, and this, the so the funds, just to be clear to people that had that question, the funds don't go into William Allen Barnes' bank account. Oh man, <laughs> I wish it did, man. Sheesh. <laughs> No, <laughs> I can't spend no. So I mean, I can't spend. That, I, I, I can't spend no money. Even Jason knows that the university is set up that I can't touch the money. Meldrum can't touch the money. The university can't touch the money. It has to be a mutual agreement if something is spent. So there's no money been spent. I mean, I got bills to pay. I wish I could use some of that money. I'm always. I'm a poor man. So. And, and your. Yeah. Um, how much would you estimate you personally have have invested in this project already? I don't think people really realize. I mean, six years worth. You yeah. Add so it and, up. and in that time, you spent some. You probably put some money. Thousands. To, Thousands. Yeah, so. Too much money. However, that's not going to deter me. I'll still keep doing it. That's not going to stop me. I don't care if I stay broke the rest of my life. So, then what? It, you know, so you're. I mean, as you're approaching people for donations, the the biggest selling point. I mean, if if I was being approached, is the the airship. What what percentage? I mean, what is the percentage certainty that the airship is going to get off the ground? I mean, it's all hundred percent. Okay. But isn't that contingent on them on on how much uh, funds you're able to to secure? Like I said, I got benefactors I've been working on. Well, I've been working on me. I haven't been working on them. They're coming to me since last year for some reason. So okay, I'm not I'm not sticking my hand out. I don't beg for money anymore. And all of a sudden, they come to me. So I'm like, wow, this is cool. Let's keep it this way. So I have some very interesting people looking at the project, and I'm not telling them to give me money. It's up to them. You know, I, maybe I should do it differently, but I'm not. It's up to them if they want to help out on the project. A lot of people don't want their name on it because of the word Sasquatch, because they work with high-end people in their businesses. They just are believers in their closet believers, I guess you could say, and they don't <laughs> want their name associated to it. But if we come up with the proof that we need for their existence, these guys will come out of the closet and say, I told you so. Many people will. <laughs> There'll be so many people coming out of the closet that it'll be unbelievable. <clears throat> and William, so, with, and with getting back to, like I guess, a little bit, um, am I skipping questions here, Gunner? <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, flip. Oh, I was going to say, say you get into an area, you get this ground ship in the air, you got your ground crew, and you guys are just not finding um, any evidence 
anything of that nature, how quickly can, you know, say you give it three, four months in there, you can keep going, keep going, there's just nothing going on. How quickly can you pack up and move? Do you have other locations in mind? Oh, God, yeah. There's more locations in the United States than <laughs> I can go about anywhere. Except for Mount Hood. I can't fly Mount Hood. The FAA said I couldn't. So that's one place I know I can't fly. So it'd be an easy endeavor, or I mean, I wouldn't imagine it'd be easy endeavor, but you could actually. Um, I can get up. I can get up and move. Bring the airship, take it apart, ready to go. Said, "Give me. I'll just be nice. Two hours, ready to go, and then wait for the team to come in. Might take a day or two. So we can be in a new spot in probably seven days. Depends how far the team's out of out in the field. We're not going for a day trip where there's a campsite someplace. We're going five, six, ten, fifteen, twenty miles out where there's no road. So." Uh, this is not, like I said, a day trip or a field trip or an outing. This is strictly scientific research on these creatures, and people need to understand that. You know, we have protocols on everything, collecting data, collecting forensics, videotaping. The reason why I have so many nighttime surveillance teams is because if we happen to run across one that comes through our surveillance team that's spread out, Multiple videos has never been done on one creature from all directions. So that is one thing that would be very compelling for the panel to look at. And also I have no say on anything that we collect until it goes through the panel. They're the ones that say yay or nay. So it's not up to me to post something on Facebook, what I think is real, or post it anywhere. It's up to the panel. All we're doing is doing the research, and we send everything in, tracks, hair samples, scat, videotape. We all send it in, and there's no one that says this is real until everybody oversees it. So, you know, we're not jumping out in the woods and throwing stuff out and say, hey, look what we found. ain't going to happen that way, guys. Mm -hmm. just ain't going to happen. We have a protocol to go. William, the, the, ground, the, the ground team is, is going out. I mean, when are they they are being deployed? That's coming up pretty quickly. Yep, around May 1st. Okay, so and the, and the ground team, you have an area that, that's already picked out. Um, yep. You indicated, in our, I think, on our last call that, that one of the considerations was uh, the amount of, of open area that, that was that was available. Is that was that a um, and that that I think consideration had to do with using the airship. Is that correct? Uh, no, I reduced the water source. Okay. These things so need the, water. These things need water. You reduce the water source. You have a better chance of these creatures coming to water while you're around. So if you have a thousand lakes out there. Might as well just keep hiking all day. However, if you reduce the water source and you know this is a place where these creatures are known to exist, they have to come and get water sooner or later. Not like they carry a canteen with them. So the um, the ground crew and, all, and also going... also the place we picked is filmable from the air. I'm sure that that's what you was getting at. Right, yeah, because you had indicated something about, yeah. I mean, I think that, yes. yeah. It's all so about the, ter ter 
It's all about terrain. These creatures live in all types of terrains. I don't care what any of these people think out there. If they would just listen and do the research and Google everything when they're deciding, you'd be surprised how filmable from the air those places are. And out east, you know, during the winter, we go out east. There's no leaves on the trees. I've seen so many videos out on Facebook about Sasquatching and things like that. And you can see off for miles of no leaves on the trees. Come on. Come on, you guys. Give me a break here. Very easy to see the ground without no trees. And these creatures are known to exist in these areas. Do your research. Look at the videos. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So the the ground crew, the technology that the ground crew is is going out with from the beginning, is is what is to do research, collect evidence. No, no. What what technology are they are they taking out into oh. the field? Oh, we're using the we're collecting infrasound for number one. I have medics out there because I hate the word zap. And uh, people say they get sick and stuff from infrasound. Some people say they can direct it to certain people. Well, infrasound is non-directional. You can look it up. I hate hate to disappoint some of those people out there being zapped, but uh, we we look at it as as just a theory, and we're trying to medically uh, figure this out. We have medics going out. And if somebody, if it happens or when it happens, they feel like they got zapped, uh, we'll have them checked out by the medic and see if it's adrenaline rush or whatever. Some people can't handle adrenaline. I mean, I know for a fact I can't. There's another thing is that we are going to collect infrasound and throw it back out. And if we're right, if these creatures do use infrasound, we should get a response back, especially if we go into another area, because if they're territorial like everybody thinks they are, theory again, they would, what's the first thought? What are you doing here? Of course they're going to answer back. So it's a form of communication. What a way to communicate. Man, that'd be the greatest thing in the world. That's better than a sighting. Get a response back from one of these creatures instead of banging on a tree and hollering. Say, so we're not doing tree banging out there. We're not doing screams out there. We are in a controlled environment. It's the reason we want to get so far out there. So we want to record these tree knockings and screams naturally out there without using tree knocking ourselves and and, uh, screaming and the things they do on TV, I guess you could say. So we want to naturally record this stuff and have it analyzed and see where it goes from there. So, you know... And also, everybody will be using thermal cameras at night. i got a 15-man surveillance team. And they'll be up from dark till daylight. And they go to go to sleep. My day shift comes in, the trackers. And then when they get up and get ready to go back to work, the trackers position them, my uh, surveillance team, in places that are advantage points. It's, it's all surveillance. You're not going to be sitting someplace you can only see 50 foot through the woods. You're going to be in places that you can see acres of land. And if you've got 15 people out there, maybe we can see 15, 20, 30 acres of land all night long. You know, I'm not going to have running through the woods at nighttime. You know, this is totally different. You know, 
it's it's different. We're gonna do it the way it should have been done twenty years ago. So, but my my original question. So the question was though is, what specific technology are they going out into the field with? Night. So they have night vision, night vision, barotical ears. Or, I mean the dish, whatever they call it. Thermal cameras. I mean, yeah, night vision. Uh, the dish for sound, infrasound, and that's about all they're going to carry. But you'll and digital recorders, I'm assuming. Of course, all the. In fact, I yeah. believe the third cameras we're getting already has a recorder on them. I don't know yet. If not, I'll okay, get them. So that's I, what the bipolar ear is for, anyway. So the the parabolic um, ear dishes are are connected to recorders. Oh, yes. We're recording everything. Everything's going to be filmed. Everything's going to be recorded. Everything's going to be written down on a piece of paper. Even the supply runners will have GoPros on them. Everything's going to be documented from day one. Everything. Everything's going to be documented. So, and so, and the, all, all that technology is already in place. You already have it. I've been working on this for months. I called Fleers a month ago and got a yes from them. I'm working on the equipment for the guys right now. I do this every day. This is what I do. I'm trying to get them ready. We, I don't. That's I, I, all I do. Sleeping bags, tents, backpacks, thermal imaging yeah, so cameras, food. So, your, so all, all that... But again, my question is that, that the technology piece is in place, or between yeah. now and May, yes. it will be in place. When they go out in the field, the only thing I, only deploy, thing I don't have at this point, only thing I don't have at this point is infrasound equipment. But I found some which I can get. I just okay. found it about and a week ago. So the worst case scenario, because the the, the airship isn't. Currently fully funded and it and it isn't it isn't built. Yes, you would you you have a group that's going to go out into the field for a minimum of, of six months. Ah, two months. And what's that? Right, but initially starting months. with for a six month period of time in in one location. Is that no, not in one you, location? You're, okay, you're gonna. So, how long you're will they stay in one location? Probably a day, 48 hours at the most, and then move to the next one. They'll be on the move all the time. You think, I'm trying to tell you. Let me explain it one more time. They're going to be on the move for six months. They're not going to sit in one place unless they find an active place where things are going on. That'd be a little different. However, the most they're going to spend in one place is about 48 hours. Nothing happens there. They go to the next place. They're going to be on the move for the whole six months. They're not sitting at a campsite waiting for something to come to them. They're going out there looking for evidence of this creature. See, this, this right. is why so, I'm saying it's different. Right, so, and excuse me for that. You, you're going to make base movement on on response, so on results. So if you get good results in a particular area, you'll stay I'll long. stay there. The while. group will stay. Yes, so, yes sure will. Okay, because that's and that's and that's up to the ground crew too. It depends what they think. You know, I'm not right. I'm not one to uh, I'm one to listen to everybody. So if they feel like they want to stay and check it out more, more power to them. 
If they don't want to stay there, more power to them. You know, and I'm I would not imagine out there too. To... I would imagine too that the, these these individuals already know their role and what they're what's expected of them. Um, you know, when they get out there, they're going to know. So I would imagine each 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 individual uh, is bringing you know something to the table, um, and they already kind of know what role they'll play. You know, uh, is that correct? Yep. Um, you're correct. Excellent. Uh, now, William, I know you're going to be out in the field. Um, you're going to be out there uh, with these guys. Is Jason, are you going to be out in the field with these guys, or what's your role there? Yeah, um, I don't actually. I don't know if William is going to be out in the field. I know that I am. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I, I I had asked William before, and I believe he said, stated that he would be out there, but maybe I'm mistaken. Um, but you, no, you are going to be out there. I'll, I'll be out in the field, but I'm the communication guy. Right. I'll go out. Yeah. I might go out there for two or three weeks, maybe spend some time out there with them. However, i got to spend my time with the communication because I have to have communication 24-7 with them to know exactly what's going on all the time. And we'll, we'll man the radios 24-7. It'll take two shifts. So... Um, communication is very important. If something goes wrong, I can extract them. We've already got protocol for that. Uh, somebody gets hurt, well, I got medics out there. I got access to certain things that's unbelievable. I can't even believe I got access to to get people out of there. So um, it, it's just coming together. It's uh, it's really great, you know. And finally, get out to get to do something instead of sitting around. If I sat and wait for the airship. To be built, might as well wait another six, seven, eight, nine months, maybe, maybe ten months. Might as well do something ahead of time, something productive, and collect information and data and do research, which most people don't spend six months out in the field. Um, in fact, I don't think I know. I spent seven months out there, but 99% of the people don't spend that much time out there for research. In fact, 99.9%. Yeah. Well, yeah. I they mean, don't live really. Li- yeah. I mean, you guys are going to be living out there, and that's one of the key aspects of. I mean, drone. You know, uh, airship aside, is the amount of time being spent out there with the amount of equipment being spent out there. Um, it's pretty, pretty unprecedented. You know, I mean, uh, it's being funded, and you are going to be out in the field. Uh, I mean, constantly. Uh, most most research groups are. Researchers spend uh, weekends, days, and you know maybe a week or two out in the field on average. Um, yep. And and you know because they they're, you know they have jobs and a living you know uh, myself included. It's very right. difficult. So yeah, very difficult. Uh, my my uh, people half my people don't even want to get paid. In fact, more than half. However, if I can find a way to pay them, I'm going to pay them. That's the only way it should be. They got bills to pay just like you do. And like I said, they only get two months off and then six months on again in another state. And then two months off again, six months on in another state. And then two months off again over and over and over. So, you know, this is gonna this is just the beginning. This is gonna go on and on and on. Until we get to the truth of this matter about this creature. You know, it takes diligence to do things like this. And you have to have commitment from your crew. You know, that's the biggest thing, commitment. And I went through a lot of people to pick these people, my 
I spent my holidays just collecting people, phone call after phone call after phone call, and just collecting people. And Jason met with some of them last week, and they were questioning our project. And I expect questions. I don't expect them not to have no questions in their mind. It's human nature to have questions. And Jason will tell you about that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I don't really know much else to say about that. I think we pretty much covered that, you know, people just have ideas about how certain things are. And, you know, the, the one thing that, that it, it irritates me a little bit, actually, no, quite a bit. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to say because I really hope the listening audience can hear this. When I first did the, the 2005 Sasquatch Research Conference, that was my first attempt at really getting plugged into the community, was putting on a conference. And I learned the politics of what goes on in the Bigfoot community in a really short period of time. And I could not believe how divisive and, and and just all of the vitriolic behavior that exists within the framework of this of this community of people that are trying to prove that this creature exists, and I, I was I was blown away. I was like, why is it? I mean, it's almost worse than um, than like hairdressers. Not to knock hairdressers, but the politics of like cattiness, <laughs> how people can be in salons, like in the salon world and, you know, modeling, uh, you know, Hollywood, how people can be, you know, backbiting and, you know, just stabbing. And I'm like, you know, we really need to put this away and rally behind some kind of an ideal or project that could solve this once and for all and put our differences aside. Because it's getting ridiculous. Like I was reading some threads earlier today. I didn't have a whole lot of time. But that's kind of like why I've I've kind of disengaged myself within the Bigfoot community because I just have such a low tolerance for the horse shit that come out of people. I, I just can't do it. And yet I understand that there's questions and I understand that people want to get a better understanding if they're going to get involved in something or if they're going to contribute. I understand that questions need to be answered. But it really does wear and tear, and I'm sure you guys know this as, as uh, hosts of shows that you see this all the time. And I, I really wish that we could just move beyond the uh, the, the behaviors that, that that don't contribute to something coming together to form a greater uh, mission, so that we can accomplish something really extraordinary here. Because we we have an opportunity uh, like never before, I believe, with our project. And I, I just <clears throat> I just really want to say that. <laughs> yeah. Give some people some food could, for could be fire. better said. That was, that was well said. I mean, I, he's right. I get, I get this all the time, you know, why don't you go cheaper? Why don't you buy cheaper stuff? Well, you get what you buy. Well, technology's here. We're going to use it, and we're going to try to get the best of the best what we can get, what we can afford anyway. So, you know, if that's what it takes to do it, we have to do it. So 
Uh, I I get hammered all the time. I hate typing and and it, I'm at home all the time calling people. My phone. I dropped my phone in the freaking phone uh, dog dish the other night and broke it. But uh, so I had a little relief from the phone. So I had fun on Facebook for a few days. However, uh, we are going to do this. So it doesn't matter what uh, people think, say, or do. As one guy said, well, why don't people take their money back? Well, go ahead. The money's there. It's never been touched. I can't touch it. We're not using it. University rules. Can't use the money until it's all there. Sorry. Yeah, one of the... You know, we, uh, Jason, you know, Gunnar and I are, yeah, we do the, this radio show, um, but we're both uh, very serious, re- uh, serious researchers. You know, we uh, both work with the Olympic Project. Uh, we work, you know, in our, uh, we have our own little private group, and uh, we actually know many uh, of the individuals involved with this project personally. You know, Kirk Brandenburg, I know him yep. very well. Uh, um, Good guy. Cindy, Good guy. Cindy, yeah, great guy. Um, actually, um, you got lucky to have him involved with the Falcon Project, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jason, had Cadell. To, Jason, had, Jason had to convince him a little bit, but yeah. Um, well, I'm Cindy sure he Cadell. Had, yeah, yeah, Cindy Cadell. Cindy Cadell is great. She's my She's coordinator for the supply runners. Uh, I'm very thankful that she offered that for me. It saves me a lot of time. I, there's a lot of things. People are ghostwriting for me because I'm not a writer. My mom's a professor in literature, but it never rubbed up <laughs> on me. So um, I have to have ghostwriters. I have press releases ready to go, but i got to sign papers at the university first. And, then, and also the other thing, liability. Now, these guys are saying liability is a big issue with the university. No, it's not. We've already got the papers written up for everybody to sign, non-liability. Anything that happens on them. And if I find pay for them, I will pay liability for everybody. So if you guys have concerns anymore, uh, just give me a call. I'll explain how it works. Other than the way I just explained it, you get the same thing. Yeah. And, but getting back to, you know, like I said, we, we are researchers, and, and part of the thing is um, I do understand – the uh, the questions come from people on this project, uh, their concerns and whatnot. I get it. Um, I I I know that I tend to surround myself with like-minded individuals that don't have egos, that don't um, you know I, I'm you know that are they're skeptical with with their approach to things, but yet logical. And I, I do believe that <clears throat> for the majority of this this particular project, you've done that. Um, but, you know, this project is going to happen regardless, and either it will work or it will not. But I, I personally believe it's a really positive endeavor, something that's not been done before, uh, not even, not even wow. close, really. Oh, thanks for saying that, because everybody else says it's been done before. <laughs> not thanks to for... this scale, no. Well, no, you got to understand, I get this all the time. Why doing the same stuff over and over again? Well, you just answered it for me. I hope they, I hope they start emailing you now, so, because <laughs> they've been telling me this for a long time. <laughs> so it's your turn. Uh, no, nah, I've been down this road. But, uh, no, I mean, it, it is, it's a, it's a, 
it's a huge dream. It's a huge scaled project uh, with lots of different ideas coming to the table. Uh, the amount of time in the field. I mean, this reminds me of, uh, you know, a project by, you know, National Geographic where people actually get paid to, to study primates in the wild, you know, and stuff like that. It's very, very, uh, like I said, I've been intrigued from uh, 2012 when I met you down here in Portland. I was always I'm intrigued. I listened to you and Meldrum and Derek and a bunch of other people speak about the project. And, um, you know, I was I was skeptical then, but I was I was it was a positive. You know, people can be can be skeptical about this project, and they can have concerns and and whatnot. I get it, and you know, I'm not saying a lot of the concerns aren't legit, um, but I I do believe that you have done your homework. I do believe that you have spent a credible amount of. Time. I know you've spent a credible amount of time um, uh, dealing with every avenue. Uh, like I said uh, we've had conversations in the past, and you blow my mind with how steadfast you are about doing this, um, you know, and, you know, you're going to be attacked regardless. I really hope that uh, everything falls into place. I'm sure you're going to come across bumps in the road and you, uh, you know, have to, uh, you know, figure those out as they come. But I do, you know, with some of the individuals I know personally are involved with this project, I'm I'm excited about it because I know how committed they are to and how um, logical they are in their thinking and so you're not just getting a you know a bunch of baboons to join this thing. It's it's credible, a lot of credible and uh, engaged people that if they trust you, you know I trust you. But you know, well I got a good crew. I'll tell you that right now. I have 100% faith in them. I mean, I, all of them might not be perfect. However, they're my crew. I have to stick up with them for them no matter what. So if people want to talk about my crew, they need to call me. They don't need to write anything on Facebook or anything. I have a great crew. It took a lot to put it together. And I'm reading something right now. Unless the cameras are government or military grade, it seems to defeat the purpose at that range. Well, to the person that wrote that, which I know he's listening because he wrote this, I would not go in the air without a camera that was powerful enough to see that far, you know. How ridiculous do these people think I am? It's, it's, <laughs> the camera's custom-made. It's made to our specs. You know, even the military don't have it, and if they, if they do have it, they're not talking about it. So, you know, I don't know what to tell these guys. Uh, and then another one says, why would anyone need to fly to an altitude for the sole purpose of spotting and to photo video an animal on the ground? Well, that's the reason I have a strong camera. I can focus in on it telescopically. I can come up real close to it, less than a mile away. I'm not. We're, we're a non-invasive research group. And I'm get And then I see wind shear, full text of class FAA guide. Wow, it's like I've never even seen that before. You know, these people are so concerned of something they have nothing to do with, and they're like, "Well, William Barnes has never looked into this before." Well, William Barnes has. So, and then it says the FAA is a bigger concern before that. Well, no. For the first two and a half years it was. Not until I got underneath research and development. It made it easier because of government institutions. And they can go in and look at the rules. So you, have you guys ever had an FAA guy call you guys while we are on the radio? I've been on the radio so many times, not one FAA person has called in. Why is that? 
because at least I'm telling the truth about it. If I wasn't telling the truth, the FAA would have been calling in or somebody who works for the FAA would have called in by now. So, you know, I've, I've done my research. So we can forget about the airship for now. Let's focus on the ground team. The airship will come later no matter what, and no matter what, we're going to flip it over to Africa for anti-poaching and then build another one and then build another one. And we're going to do it over and over and over. So... I, I don't know what else to tell these guys. So Jason can start talking. I'm getting a little aggravated here. <laughs> well, don't get uh, aggravated. The, uh, <laughs> well, I, I one question leads to another question to another. I mean, you can't ever sufficiently answer. Um, and and the thing is that worst case scenario. There's no there's no airship, and that's you're you're saying that that isn't a, failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. No, if 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 uh, your the people that you have lined up as as potential donors um, come through, um, if you can, where does that put you in terms of? Uh, uh, being able to build, get get going on building the airship. Uh, it looks really good, to tell you the truth. Uh, like I said, since October, everything's been coming to me. So, I don't understand it, to tell you the truth. Uh, I don't understand it at all. I had a heart attack October 10th, and all of a sudden, the whole world changed. Everybody started coming to me, and nobody knew I had a heart attack at the time. And I'm like, wow, this is a new world. So it's just the whole thing has changed around, and we're able to get things off the ground, no pun intended. But uh, at least I can get start collecting data on the, uh, on the ground. And then I can start using that data for when the airship comes along and utilizing that data, knowing where these creatures are in certain areas. At least one thing we do want to learn is the range. And that's another thing about the ground crew. Once we figure out, get on fresh tracks and we can start following them. And don't let anybody tell me that you cannot track them. I've tracked them myself. I don't want to hear this. Uh once we get on fresh tracks, we might be able to figure out their range. And if we can do this over and over and over in different places, we can give an educated educated guess, a scientific guess of the population. You know, I've heard up to 50,000 exist. I've heard 2,400, 2,500. Well, nobody really knows because nobody knows. Without data, nobody's going to know. So that's another thing that's very important about this ground crew is collecting data on the range. And if we can figure out the range, we can figure out a, a possible population. So that's another thing we'll be doing. Ask Jason a question. I need a break. Yeah, I, I had a question for Jason. <laughs> I, I wanted to know, well, I wanted to know, you know, why Jason, um, I was just, just hearing it from him, why he believes this this whole projects a worthy endeavor and what makes him believe that this this could possibly work uh you know i kind of explained some of that earlier but 
I'd like to like to hear him elaborate on it a little bit more. Well, <clears throat> let me answer that question by saying this. <clears throat> I'd like people to notice that the two people that are heading this project, William and myself, we both have had sightings. So it, it's not a matter it's not a matter for William and I. Do we believe that these creatures exist? It's not about that because we know they exist. So the drive that we have in our soul is unstoppable. It's, that's why failure is not an option. Because it, 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 even if it's not the airship, even if we will find out how to make this work. And that's why I believe that we have, I mean, I believe regardless, we have found the answer that it is the it is this airship. Shane, if you would stop screaming into the mic, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I know that's Will uh, then. <laughs> yeah, that's Fritz. He, he wants to be on the show. And then I have a guy here who says, so sad, Barnes is drunk. Uh, <laughs> rambling, apparently. Well, I hate to tell you, it's a heart attack. I've only had like four or five times. Um I just have a speech impairment. How about that? That's better than just. Yeah, I'm trying to take care of these guys as they're writing. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, there, I mean, there's there's been a lot of concern, a lot of questions, and um, I don't know if you could answer every question to uh, those that are directing them perfectly or not. Um, I believe you answered a lot of them. <clears throat> But, uh, you know, you are, you know, I kind of wanted to ask you, William, and I'm directing the question at you again, but why do you engage, I'm just curious why, as to why you engage some of these, uh, say, naysayers, skeptics, or people with, you know, legitimate questions, why, why do you engage them, um, maybe fueling, fanning the fire a little bit? I don't, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Sometimes I wonder if, uh, you know, th- this project's going to happen regardless, why not not engage them? Wow. Coalition of Reasoning is actually fun because they act like they know everything in the world. So I'm the dumb guy. They're the smart guy. So they know what they're talking about, and I don't. And I just lead. They push. And I have fun when I'm not doing nothing. I love that some of these guys, some of them get real rude, but it's okay. It gives me more uh, volume when I hit some of my uh, Falcon project, too, so... The more they talk about me, the more hits I get. So they're doing a favor, actually, and I'm having fun with them, especially Aaron. Aaron is so engineer-wise. Thanks. It will not work. He has no idea about the airship. I love the guy to death because he puts it down every five minutes. Yeah, it's just, just fun. I just have fun on there. Oh, okay. I was just curious. Uh, you know, me personally, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd, uh, you know. Well, you wouldn't uh, have you wouldn't have this many questions without me having fun on there either. Very true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very true. And yeah, um, uh, back to the question about the ground crew. Now, when these ground, you, you mentioned before uh, on this show. The ground crew are going to go through some classes. Now, when are these classes going to – are these going to be – when are they going to, you know, partake in these classes? Is this come May 1st they're going to do these classes or – It's going to be there before – 
they're all when we all get together out in the field, we're going to have a workshop on everything and protocol. And like you said earlier, I have certain people doing certain things, and those guys will be handling their end of the deal while they're out there. They'll take care of certain situations or whatever. We have emergency protocol. We have collection uh, evidence protocol. We have casting. We have a new way of casting tracks that we're going to try out. I've been working on for a long time. And uh, we're going to just go through everything. And I want to have some people out there training people. I have uh, people coming up from L.A. to teach people how to use the camera system. And they're going to film the whole thing and post it on YouTube uh, before we leave. And uh, they're going to educate us everybody on how to use cameras, especially the day cameras, high depths. Uh, thermal cameras, Kirk knows a lot about thermal cameras, so I'm going to leave that up to him. And Jason knows a lot about electronics, and I'll leave that up to him. And uh, Randy Harrington, he's my guy. That guy is so detailed. I, I'm not worried about nobody getting out of line out there. <laughs> and Randy Harrington is... COD or whatever you call it. Uh, OCD. OCD, yeah. I love the guy. The guy is so detailed, it's unbelievable. Everything will be written down, anything we do, or filmed, or anything collected, it'll be done right. And if Randy has anything to do with it, I don't have to worry about it. So um, he's my guy. And Mike out of Texas, he's my wild card, which everybody says, why him? <laughs> He's a good guy, actually. Nobody sits down and talks to him. So if you want to, you can just give him a call and talk to him. He'll chat with you, just like me. I'll answer the phone all day long. All my guys will take phone calls. You know, if you want to talk to him, talk to him. Another issue came up. By the way, do you guys do research? Yes. Oh, Shane and I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where do you guys get? How far out do you go, by the way? It varies, you know. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, you, you know, guys, you guys take a handgun with you. Yes, I do. Oh. Oh wow. Well, they were kind of concerned about my guys having handguns. But you know, if you guys can have a handgun, why can't my guys? Tell this to yeah, anybody I, that goes out and in, in the field. If if they're not carrying one themselves, should be somebody in their group should be. Carrying a handgun. What a good idea! I've been I've been hammered about this. So, uh, you know, the worst scenario is. Yeah. What's the objection to your team having handguns? Oh, they think uh, somebody go nuts and kill everybody. Well, if they do, it make a great movie, the massacre of a Bigfoot research group. Be a true movie anyway. However, uh, they were complaining that all the guys. I'll be carrying a sidearm, which I recommended. In fact, I only have one guy that's not. Uh, I would not go out in the field without a gun. It's for their own self-protection, and we have a protocol when to use that gun, and they will be trained on that, too, during the workshop. So we're not out there to blast everything out there in the woods. We're out there just to protect ourselves. So... If anybody has any questions about us carrying guns anymore, my phone number is on the Facebook anytime you want to call. Because I don't think these guys are the ones asking the questions. I don't think they go out in the field without a gun. So why should they worry about my people carrying a gun? 
I get all sorts of questions. Just now you see why I don't answer them. Well, I well, imagine question, a lot yeah, of times yeah. get repetitive and uh, you know and whatnot. You know, but I mean, truly, you know, we we go out. Sometimes we go out short distances, and other times we go out extreme distances. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I work with Derek Rounds and Limb Project, and we, man, we'll, we're miles and miles out there. But uh, being armed, you know, we're, we, um, you know, we have camera traps, and there's cougar daylight sightings on our camera traps. There's bear, and we've run into them at times. Uh, well, no kidding. Uh, explain yeah. to these guys uh, their question about my guys having guns. You know, I'm yeah, glad well, you're saying it because they're not going to well, say it. Yeah, well, I would imagine, I think their original concern is, you know, uh, who's carrying the guns and and uh, the will they get trigger happy. You mean the Pardon? sanity of my group? <laughs> yeah, maybe the sanity uh, or, you know, somebody gets a little trigger happy. Um, you know, they, they uh, come across a bear, you know, they start blasting. Uh, what kind of trained, you know, you know, are they trained to fire a firearm in general? Anybody can have a gun nowadays, really. Well, uh, I'll, put it, well, I'll, well, I'll put it this anybody. way. I'll put it this way. It only takes one time for one person to get trigger happy out there. He will be gone. I will extract him out of there, and he won't be part of the team. This is part of our protocol. So I'm not going to allow this. If it does happen, they're gone. It's real simple. I've warned everybody. I've warned every one of my guys, and that's the reason I like them, because they have an understanding how I am. So, you know, these guys want to ask questions about people. That's a silly question. I mean, that, of all the questions that are being are being asked, the question about whether, you know, why why is a team of people going to that's remotely out in the field carrying sidearms is a stupid question. I mean, it's, and bear and bear spray too, by the way. The sidearm is last resort. Right, but that's yeah. I mean, that, that's a very naive question. So yes, it is, and that's the reason I get on there and they ask me stupid questions, and I'll be ignorant about it. So I'll stay ignorant. And also they said I'm not the guy that runs the project. Well, I am, and they have to live with it. So um, that's their problem, not mine. And I don't run the project, by the way. We all run the project. I listen to everybody. So everybody well, has a great idea. To, I'll yeah, go for it. It kind of gets me back to you. To a question for Jason, you know, I know he he said he's going to be out there, so and he's got this experience with electronics and whatnot. Is that something he's going to be using? Uh, I mean, as part of the team, his role out there will be what? Uh, um, helping out with the electronic uh, aspect of the project, or is there multiple facets to that? Well, it's, it's probably going to be, yeah, it's probably going to be multiple faceted. I mean, there's, there's going to be probably overlapping managing style, you know things that we're going to be doing and you know I, I, I'm always into gadgets and electronics and I built com- and I built computers and I had a business with websites and I've, I've been all into techie stuff so I'll probably act in some kind of a capacity as someone who's just overseeing and making sure everybody's equipment is working properly and if I can troubleshoot things that people are having problems with you know things of that nature you know um also, also surveillance. Also for surveillance too. Extra guy. Yeah. Right. And also for tracking, extra guy. So he'll fill in wherever he feels that he's needed. You know, it's up to him what he wants to do. So it's good to have people like that out there that can do multiple things. 
but I do have a surveillance team at nighttime only, and I do have trackers during the day. Uh, I'm bringing people from all over the United States from coast to coast, so uh, it's, it's yeah. quite interesting. I mean, yeah, quite to me, yeah, it's very interesting to me. That's kind of it's mental to think about bringing all these this group from all around the United States to a location. I, it's hard for me to fathom <laughs> the uh, the the whole the whole shebang it's just it's mind-mending you know uh it, it really really neat uh and and you and got I different dig, people and I, dig, and I dig get people from other groups too like uh like olympic project i got some guys i got some bfro guys or used to be or whatever i don't know i've got uh people uh i got a guy coming out a 75 year old man coming out of uh arkansas i believe uh really cool man Never seen a track or a, a creature. He spent 10 years buying all this equipment and never found nothing. He's 75. And I couldn't say no to him. The reason why is because give him the opportunity before he dies to see one. And this way his kids can't say he's crazy either. So, um, uh, Also, my youngest guy is 21. So I have a very diverse group. And a lot of old school, old school people coming in. So I'm old school, and I like the idea of having old school guys out there, too, because they can fix something in a heartbeat that most people today can't fix because they've never seen that situation before. So my my career is, is very well uh, put together. I mean, I I, re- I enjoy this, actually. I mean, it's it's just a great crew. I, I couldn't ask for better, and I hope they're listening because I believe in them all. But you know, I know they're all of them are not going to make it for six months. That's just human nature. You know, I can't yeah can't guarantee that. But you know, at least they gave it effort. Effort's better than no effort at all. And some yeah. people should give me that consideration too. One so. of the key things on that is that you know a lot of uh, I mean, bringing this sort of group from all around the United States, a lot of them have never been to Washington or Oregon or California or you know British Columbia. You know these areas. It's a for a lot of them. It's going to be a completely unique and different um, surroundings, uh, weather, the whole nine. Uh, so obviously, um, some will not hack it. I mean, that's just the cold hard truth. I would imagine uh, some are just not going to be able to hack it. You know, it's like uh, going from desert to to rainforest or vice versa. It's going to do a number to them, and then you know um, people get hurt. Things are going to happen. How are you going to prepare for that, uh, and how are you going to – I know you mentioned before some of the uh, runners could possibly take place of some of the actual uh, permanent ground crew. Well, the full-time uh, the full time runners has a position as being a – once I filled up the uh, the – research group, the ground team. I told all the full-time supply runners, if somebody falls out, you go next in place to take their place. So uh, so that way they are uh, um, covered. I'm covered. And all my full-time uh, supply runners are happy with that because actually a lot of them wanted to be part of the research group. So what's a better way to fill their spot with somebody who really wants to do it instead of of uh, 
trying to get another person from a far off distance when the guy's already there. So it's it's not uh, it's not unfeasible for this to happen and other people take other people's places. I have to be ready for anything that happens. I have to be able to cover myself and make sure that there's an extra person out there in case somebody wants to go home. I know all of them are not going to make it. But like I said, effort is better than no effort. And, um, you know, I hope they all make it. And, you know, it's a venture of a lifetime. Nobody else has been able to do this. And most of my guys are like, wow, this is really cool. Um, This has never been done before, like you said. And, and, you know, it would be a great thing to tell your grandchildren down the road. It's just, uh, just a great thing to do. You know, do something that nobody's ever done or tried before. So it's just ongoing research. It's all it is. Now you can talk to Jason. You're wearing me out here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. It's uh, it's uh, you know, uh, the reason you know usually we run our shows about an hour, but this there's been a lot of debate and talk about this particular project. A lot of questions, and I, some, like I said, some of them are valid questions, and I get it. Um, but uh, I think, you know, it's important to do a show uh, this long for the mere fact that this is a, a project unprecedented, in my opinion, as far as the the amount, the scale of it. It's just got so much going going for it. So much, so many, so much. There's so many details uh, with this project that you know you can look. Okay, well that's been done before. Well this is done before, but. There's too many details, too many uh, long-term goals and ideas and stuff that's, that have not been done before. Uh, and you've been working on this for six years, six plus years, and have really, um, you know, I mean, that's a good chunk of your life invested in this. And, you know, I, I, I personally, William, respect that highly. Uh, you know, six years of your life to one project, uh, doing the work that you've done. It, it there says there's a lot to be said about that. And I'll probably get some flack from a few folks saying uh, I'm, you know, totally for the project. I'm not asking the tough questions. I'm sure I get it, but this project's going to work or it's not, or it's going to, you know, you know, it fail or not. Uh, it's going to happen. Um, the time investment stuff is honorable, um, and I do understand people's concerns. But that's just a chunk of it. It, it, it. Like I said, it's either going to happen or not. <clears throat> People are either going to donate or not if they want to. Uh, you, you left your phone number there. Uh, they can contact. You know, there's tons of contacts. I, I know a lot of the people involved with this project. Um, I know the amount of time you spent on it. And, I, 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 you know, all I can do personally is uh, encourage you, William, and, and, and encourage those involved and, and hope for the best. Uh, I you know I'd love to be a runner if I get or involved with this project. I just you know for me personally I just don't have the time. I got too much else going on. Uh, I'm sure well, that a lot of people right. a lot of people I, feel I that way. That. Yeah. No. I'm yeah, fine. I, 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 I that's fine. I understand people have lives, and uh, you know I I knew this from the beginning. However, the response was so overwhelming you wouldn't believe it. And also you got Jason has done a lot of work over the years and hung in there. And, and uh, there was a few times there that, you know, he just had to just go on with his life because he couldn't really get things going on. So I'm glad he's come back around. And, and also thanks Jeff, Jeff Meldrum for making this possible for me. 
uh, and also the panel that oversees everything. You know, you're, you're talking Bender Narco, uh, Wyan, oh, man, I can't say that guy's name. Wyan. Wyan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John, and, John Mike, uh, who I got a lot of respect for, yes. Yes, and also, uh, 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 especially uh, Redmond, Ian Redmond. Um, he's uh, one of the top people in, in grade eight. In fact, he is one of the top people in grade eight studies. So yeah. you know, and I got Bill Munns for anything that's possible, fake that he can go over it. And, you know, I've got some doubters in there, which I needed. Uh, I didn't base the panel on believers. I based it on the whole realm, uh, not just uh, believers, but I have people that have never seen one or seen a track before on their own. Like Halfpenny has never seen a track before, and he's never seen a creature before. So, And I don't think Bill Munz has seen one before uh, other than no. Patterson films. So, mm-hmm. um, I have a guy in Colorado, a younger guy that's on the team. I always forget his name. In fact, I don't even know what he does, actually. But uh, <laughs> he's uh, I don't think he's ever had an encounter. But he's Meldrum is uh, said he's very upstanding person. So you know, it's it's not just me; it's the whole group, the whole realm of everybody involved. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm, I'm, well I, I I really appreciate you coming on and and uh, answering questions. I, I mean, it's got to be difficult when you're getting bombarded with with. Uh, um, some valid questions, some, you know, and, and there's some questions that are kind of attack questions when people are calling you a con artist. And, and uh, I think that was addressed through through your, uh, um, how the finances are being handled through the universe. Oh, I, stuff, so. I told him last but time that's got to stop because I'm not ripping nobody off. If, you know, if anybody's right. ripping it off, they're not looking at me. So um, I'm not scamming nobody. What they get is what I tell them, and if they think I'm stealing, you might as well call the IRS or the FBI or somebody and tell them to go to the uh, university and check it out, you know. Uh, I made it clear that I do not handle nothing. So it makes it easier on me. So my name will never come up if something goes wrong. I made sure well, we were, that neither Jason or anybody... <laughs> We really appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, we'd like to have you back on again as the project progresses, and and uh, we wish you uh, the best of luck. Um, I, I'm sure you'll, you know, you're going to run into challenges. Every project does, um, but uh, you've been persevering for six years to get this thing going, and uh, I, I I know Shane feels the same way that. We hope that it it uh, is really successful. So, thank you so much, guys, for being on the show. Appreciate yeah, thank your you. time. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. And you guys have a good day. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Well, Shane, what do you think? Well, um. I, I have uh, done about as much research on this particular project, and I have talked to William at length on the phone, um, in person, and I'm I'm confident 
that uh, things will happen as, as, as William says it will happen. I, I'm confident, personally. Um, is he going to come across huge hurdles? Oh, absolutely. Um, he's going to run into all sorts of issues. I have no doubt about that. That's going to happen. I'm confident mm-hmm. in a lot of the ground crew he's got. I'm confident in um, William. I'm confident in Jason. Uh, so the thing for me is that uh, this is a positive endeavor. Um, it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I can uh, – a lot of the um, questions, a lot of people with concerns, a lot of their their, their questions when are legit. I, I have no problem with them questioning. Uh, and perhaps William – is not um, answer those questions as they you know wanted to hear them, and perhaps he's not the best speaker and whatnot. Um, uh, well, I, I get all that. He's the project and, manager. I mean, he's the project manager, and I, I, I've managed projects, and I don't know, I, but I'm not an engineer, but I could manage an engineer, and it sounds like the person that that this is a professional person that built is building the airship. My my. I mean, there's an outside chance until the thing is up, built and up in, and ready to be used, there and the funding is in place. There's some open, you know, there's some open-ended pieces right now. There is some parts. Yes. I mean, just because you've talked about to people about giving you money doesn't mean that they're going to do it when it comes time to write the check. But mm-hmm. I think I think the guys going I think William's gonna keep pushing the, you know, to uh, and and I think once they get the project started and. If they have some success with, with, uh, and I can imagine if they've vetted these areas, you know, they didn't just randomly throw a dart at a map to decide where they're going. No. This, these are areas that have a high probability of, of, if there's a bigfoot, there's a big. This is an area where they would, would be, that if you're in a, you know, you're moving through an area in six months or different, you know, and you're trying, you're, you're in an area for a while and nothing happens. Um, I, I question a little bit about. Uh, limiting your time in an area to 48 hours because I think that mm-hmm. there uh, uh, that might not be long enough. But I, it sounds like there that's an open uh, that's their initial protocol. And uh, of course, you're going to make adjustments in the field based on what you learn and and uh, what kind of encounter you know what kind of evidence it produced. But I think that's a little yeah. bit of a short period. I, I think I, I can go into a Bigfoot area. And, and not have anything happen in a 48-hour period. Um, I think there's a little bit of acclimation that takes place. So, but yeah, and um, you know, talk talk is cheap, and I understand that. You know, I mean, you're listening to a guy talk about his endeavors, ideas, and you know whatnot. Talk is cheap. It, the proof will be in the pudding if, if this thing absolutely comes into fruition, <clears throat> and I, I really, really hope it does. Uh, I hope that everything William says. Um, happens um it may not maybe you know uh i I can only hope that this will actually uh, happen as he says it is you know it's going to happen so you know i'm not going to uh i'm just personally not going to bash the guy in the project because i i i I want to see this thing happen um and perhaps william doesn't listen to everybody out there and doesn't um take all their concerns to heart but you know it's his project bottom line and he's going to run it as he sees fit perhaps he's stubborn but it's his project uh if if people want to argue the point want to get involved in it well cool if they want to uh 
you know, go do your own project. You know, uh, there's not nothing stopping you. You know, uh, he's he's he is uh, William is not a rich man by no means, uh, but he has spent the time and the research on it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Okay, uh, these things happen, and people, well, it's another it's another uh, smack to the Bigfoot community. Well, I don't believe that there really truly is a Bigfoot community. Um, there's too many factions, too many opinions. Some legit, some not. Too many people out there willing to destroy something. Uh, there's so many other negative things going on in the Bigfoot world uh, that are destroying this subject, destroying the true science. I just don't. For me, it's not an issue. It happens or it doesn't. It's not going to be the end all, be all of anything. You know, it just it's just not. Not unless they are. I mean, if they can collect enough data based on, uh, you know, with a lot of corroborating evidence. Then, then they could, you know, if they if you can go to an area and find like track patterns and something, that's not something that, that's been done before. But it's funny some of the questions and the and the questioners that are demanding answers. What you what you don't understand is he's not accountable to anybody outside of. I mean, if I'm making a donation, I'm going I'm going to find out how it's being used and and if, I'm sure that people that are making um, substantial donations are getting the questions that they have answered. There, there is nothing that uh, he's required to answer to, to somebody who pops up in a Facebook group. And if he, you know, I don't, it would not be my style to mm-hmm. to get into a back and forth antagonistic, you know, yeah. and have fun poking poking somebody who's poking you. I mean, that's right. you and I don't, you know, that's not. We agree that's uh, for me. That's a waste of time. Um, for me personally, uh, the energy to to um, combat yeah, going to combat about because I'm I'm he's doing the project. Um, people are going to disagree. Um, I, I you know the technical stuff that was being brought up in in the coalition group uh, seemed like intelligent questions, but I don't know enough to know you know to know. I'm the question for. That was at we asked William, you know, is this guy an engineer? He does this for a living. That's the person responsible for for making sure that that uh, the specs and stuff. As project manager, William's responsible for making sure that that the guy is is legit and and yes. can do what he uh, can do what he says he's going to do. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's like worst case scenario, they go they go out and and um, spend a lot of time in the field and collect a lot of data, and that has value in itself. I, I know that that's not, you know, the Falcon Project, a lot of it is tied to this, the airship, but worst-case scenario, that, that doesn't happen. Um, and, and they have a, uh, an adventure out in the field, and, and they've got to yield some kind of data in six months. You know, a minimum of six month period. So. Oh yeah, it would be it would be a, a quite the failure if they didn't. But I have confidence they will, uh, especially with some of the people involved, and uh, the amount of time spent. I, I believe they quite possibly come away with some very compelling evidence. So, uh, and all I could do is hope. So. So. I I know that uh, not all the questions that you know the ten thousand questions that were posed <laughs> were not answered. Um, I do appreciate Summer uh, Glenn for 
going through the, the coalition thread and uh, sending me in, in uh, mining the questions. So thank you so much, Summer. Shane, I thank you for coming. I know you're beat after a, a long weekend of being out uh, looking for Bigfoot. So um, next, join us again next week, 4 o'clock uh, Pacific time for Monster X Radio. Thanks again to our, our guests, um, William Allen Barnes and Jason, whose last name is escaping me at the moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah. um, And good luck to you guys as you guys get ready to, to uh, get the Falcon Project, let's not say off the ground, on the ground and out into the field. So um, thanks so much again for listening to the Monster X Radio. Until next week, good night. <laughs>